morning. My name's Rob. I'm one of the pastors here, if you don't know me. Uh, a few people have asked me what this is. Am I wearing a rosary today, or am I going to New Orleans? No, this is to remind me, to remind you, we have the big game party tonight at 6 o'clock. I want to make this clear, you don't have to like football to come. There's going to be games, there's going to be food, there's going to be, you can even watch a kid's movie uh, if you want. Uh, there is also, in here, we're going to be playing the game, but our focus is going to be, each person's going to be given a sign with a check mark or minus, uh, because we're going to decide what the best commercials are this year. So if you just want to come... Uh, judge the commercials and go back to your games. That's fine. It's a great opportunity to connect with one another, all ages. So I hope you'll join us tonight, regardless of the weather. Uh, secondly, uh, we are doing a mission trip down, a one night mission trip down to Athens, Ohio, through Good Works and with Good Works. And uh, several people have asked me for more information on that. If you go over to the office, on the counter by the office, there is information front and back and an application if you would like to go. If you've already filled out an application in the past year for a mission trip, you don't have to fill out another one. So there's my couple things. Now I don't have to worry about my necklace anymore. I, I've remembered to tell you. Let me ask you this question. Has there ever been someone in your life that they made such a big difference in your life that it changed the before and after picture of your life? You know, before you met them, you were like this, and you met them, and you became kind of a totally different person. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Does, does that make sense? Let me give you an example from my own life. Before I met Amy, Amy and I have been married almost 24 years now. Yeah, yeah, doing good. Nobody thought that was going to happen, let me tell you. But... Uh, what was I saying? Before and after, before and after. So before Amy, you know, I thought that the dryer was the place you kept your clothes after you washed them. <laughs> I saw no reason to get them out of the dryer because when I needed them, I hit the button to fluff them so I didn't have to iron. And then after Amy, I learned that was just a temporary resting spot Till they were done and you put them in drawers. Who knew that's what drawers were for? So before Amy, I thought the dishwasher was the permanent residence of clean dishes. Why take them out until you need them, right? And so after Amy, I learned that those dishes that I kept in the dishwasher actually had a place in these things called cabinets. Before Amy, I was so disorganized that my senior year of high school, I did get vo voted least organized male at Johnstown High School. After Amy, I am a little more organized. Is there anybody in your life who's had that type of impact on you that you can look at and go, man, before them I was like this, and now after, they had a major impact on my life. 
We are in the 47th sermon of a series on Through the Bible, and we're in the book of Colossians. And Paul is writing the Colossians to remind them, to remind us, that God is constantly changing us through the power and presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. I decided I'd go and tell you the what right now. We'll repeat it here in a moment, but look at Colossians with me. That's in the New Testament, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, because we want to get our context to understand where we are in this book. Paul, everybody say Paul. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae. You might like saying it, Colossae, tomato, tomato. All right, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's talk this through. Who wrote this? So you got that. Paul was actually in chains during this time, and uh, he wrote Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, if that's how you like to say it, Philemon. I kind of like that, that version of saying it. But he wrote all of those letters uh, while he was in prison, so they're called the prison epistles. Isn't that fancy? And Pastor Tom's been hitting on that as we've gone through these different books. And so that is our who, what is our what? It's an epistle or a letter, right? Everybody with me? Let's, it's just fun to say, epistle. All right, excuse you. How is an epistle, how does that happen? It's written. And so we're not sure that Paul wrote the whole thing, but we know he signed it. A lot of times Paul would dictate to somebody else what he was writing. Then the when. 60 to 62 ADD. AD, not ADD. AD, I apologize. That that just kept on coming out. 60 to 62 AD. Uh, For those of you who don't know what that means, it means it was a long, long time ago, but not much after Jesus died and raised again. All right? And so, where? Colossae. Everybody say Colossae because it's just fun. Uh, Here's a map in in case you're not sure. Uh, Italy's over there. Israel's down there at the corner. There's Colossae. If if you remember, the the first book letter that is written is Galatians. That's to a whole area. Then he gets specific to a bunch of different places. Colossae is right there. Uh, it's 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 right there. Right? Tell your neighbor, that, that's where it is. All right, uh, Modern Turkey is probably in about that location. Why did he write it? To remind the Colossians, the Colossians, to remind them that it is Jesus who is changing them. He wrote it to remind you that it is Jesus who is changing you. That's a whole reason he wrote this book. This is one of those books where if you ask the question, the answer can just simply be Jesus, and you will get it correct. Colossians 3, 9 through 10 is our hot spot. That is what we're going to focus in on this morning. So you're welcome to turn your Bibles to that. I love that. So our apps need that sound. That's what I'm praying. Make that sound. So uh, it's just so beautiful. Since you have taken off your old self. Someone say old self. 
with its practices. That old self had some practices, right? And have put on the new self. Oh, man, you're, you're doing good. I had to tell the first service. You're doing A+. Plus. New self. And I have put on the new self, which is being renewed. This is active. This is constantly happening. And knowledge in the image of its creator. So, old self, new self. How many of you use that language in your everyday life? You don't, do you? Oh. Yeah, I was thinking of my old self the other day. Yeah. They might be kind of confused if you said that. I was, I was thinking about myself the other day. That kind of makes more sense. I was thinking of my new self. All right? Let, let's use some terminology we're used to. Before and after. Before and after. I, I want you to get this before and after. So, so here's a picture of a child... Before and after the first day of school. <laughs> All right, here's a picture of a teacher before the school year starts and when the school year's over. Wow, that's, that's a rough year. That's a rough year. Um, I, I wrestled with what to call the next one. I just called it before and after a couple of years of bad decisions. Wow. You know, most of the time we want our after pictures to look better, right? All right, maybe you like that. All right, Bef ladies, before and after makeup. Yeah, I'm in trouble. All right, I got one for the guys, before and after glasses. In only two weeks, Robert lost his glasses. Woohoo! So old self, new self, before and after. And, and see, in Colossians 3, we have this description of the before. I'm not going to read it to you. I want to show you it in picture form. So let's look at the before. How many of you guys can say amen to that? That, that was definitely my before picture. Some of you are looking at it and going, it doesn't have some of the things I, I, I'm doing right now. Am I allowed in here? Yes. Tell your neighbor, yes, you're allowed in here. Now, our, our before picture is problematic, right? Now, in, in my experience of talking about that before picture, what I, I, I first want you to see is that's all of ours. The Bible says we are all sinners. We all have a bad before picture. Can I get an amen? amen? But you know, one of the things I've noticed that we do after we accept Christ, we, what we, we start to do is a hierarchy of that old self. And, and we, put, we put biggest those things we don't do anymore. 
and don't affect us and we put uh, smaller and smaller those things that we're doing and we we say well uh, God really minds those things that I don't do but the things that I do that are still my old self he doesn't care as much about let me that that's why uh, you'll notice that even though these are all equal in the sight of God I made some of the words that I observe in Christianity affect us more. And I made the ones that typically we jump up and down on and yell out smaller. Not because God sees them different, but let's admit, we see them different. Look at that, filthy language. Everybody say filthy language. Oh, that's no big deal. I was actually told by somebody close to me I'm legalistic because I don't use profanity. Yes, very close to me. Yeah, you're just legalistic. My son, Jonathan, was at cross-country camp. This was a couple years ago. And a bunch of the guys went out running, and he noticed all of them, all of them were Christians. All of them said, Jesus is my and. And they were all using all kinds of profanity. And he, he, I mean, this is pretty brave. He was a junior, they were seniors. And he, he, he went up to him and said, what is going on? Why are you guys all suddenly using this language? They said, because God doesn't care. And the Bible doesn't say anything about profanity. And he goes, you know, I'm not quite sure where it says it, but I'm pretty sure it says it. Chapter 3, Colossians, filthy language. Yeah, f- think of some of those things that still crop up in your after picture. Right? Jesus still loves you. you know, this isn't about him loving you. It's about being made new and changing and being an example to the world. Can I get an amen? amen? So there's that list. Enough of that list. Ugh, that after picture. That's enough, right? See, what Colossians points to is there's an and. You know who the and is? Jesus is the and. Since then, chapter 3, verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. Woo! Raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. The and is Jesus. But see, the Colossians were having some troubles because they were saying it was Jesus and this. And it's not Jesus and this. I have a list for you from chapter 2. Because not all of them are apparent. But the first one is in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 2. Hidden wisdom knowledge. You might go, well, Jesus is wisdom and he brings us will. What's wrong with that? Well, there was was a heresy that developed. a, A going away from the essence of Christianity. And it said that what you needed was Jesus and this secret knowledge. And until you attain the secret knowledge, you could never have the after. 
Jesus and. Someone tell your neighbor it's not Jesus and. So he says philosophy. Some of them were, were adding philosophical arguments to it, that you had to have Jesus and be right on this philosophical argument. I can't even say it. I would have been in trouble. I, I, there's tradition. I, I like this. Uh, yeah, tradition, tradition. Uh, elemental spiritual forces, I don't even know what that is. Right? They were saying that, there, that, that you had to be one with these elemental spiritual forces, which we actually call demons, and Jesus. Some of them said, we, we have to do certain religious festivals. All right? It's Easter and Jesus. No. There's nothing in addition to and. Some of them said false humility. Anybody struggle with false humility? Look at you all. You're all struggling with false humility right now. No, I'm not raising my hand on that one. Is it worship of angels? Worship of angels. This is also brought up in the book of Hebrews. It's a problem that, that we start thinking it's Jesus and these angels, and I got to know their names, and I got to have all. No, it's Jesus. That's, that's it. What's the last one? Well, Pastor, you just made us feel bad about filthy language. It's not a rule. Yeah, we have the grace to live out our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. But what I'm saying is that Jesus will change you and he changes you from what you were to what he wants you to be. Not based on rules that you follow, but by having a personal convicting relationship with him. So what does Colossians say? The and is Jesus. Not Jesus and something else. The and is Jesus. If I want to have an after picture, if I want my before change, the and is Jesus. Well, that's the reaction I was hoping for. The supremacy of the Son of God is what the NIV entitles chapter 1, 15 and on. Listen to it. Is it all right if I read to you some scripture? Can you handle that? All right. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and all the and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things of earth or things of heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Do you think it's a coincidence we're taking communion today? Let, let Paul continue. Once you were alienated from God before, and were enemies... 
in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now. But now. Because you made Jesus your and. But now. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not remove from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. When I add Jesus as my and, I have an after picture you're not getting excited enough let's try again chapter 2 verse 9 for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you point at your neighbors and say you you have been brought to fullness he is ahead over every power and authority In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Men, you better say amen to that. Your whole self, ruined by the flesh, was put off before. The old self, ruined by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ and after having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins before, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he forgave. He forgave us all of our sins. Before and after. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, calling it to the cross, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You're still not there yet. So I want you to watch a video to be reminded that Jesus is the only and you will ever, ever need because he wants to be your king. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed 
the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him, for yet he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That gives me the chills. I don't know about you. That's my Jesus. That's my and. I don't need any other and. And you don't either. Look what happens to your after picture when you make Jesus your and. Isn't that so much better? Isn't that, look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that, you know, what I love about this, if you can see my highlights, this is the bad stuff in yellow. This is the good stuff in orange. Paul chooses, even though he uses the same number of words, to focus more on what can, God can do for you, the and that he adds to you, than what you already came into the relationship with. When Jesus comes into your life, when he is your and, this is how heaven sees you. You, you didn't hear me. Doesn't mean you see yourself like that yet. But that's how heaven sees you. When Jesus intercedes for you on the right hand of the Father, that's who he sees, the before and after picture. Let, let's, let's admit, this next picture is kind of how we see ourselves. 
Am I the only one? Yeah, there's a little bit of the before and there's a little bit of the after. How how's God see us? Go ahead back to that. How do we see ourselves? You know, I, I'll never forget, I, I accepted Jesus Christ after my junior year of football. So my junior year of football, I was just this angry guy. I cussed, I yelled, I screamed, I didn't help people up, I yelled at referees. I, just, I was just a bad dude when I was on the football field. And I accepted Christ. And you know, the, the, the thing that people noticed the most wasn't that I talked more about Jesus. It was when I played football the next season, suddenly that whole filthy language and anger that I showed on the football team, football field, had gone away. Because when Jesus becomes our and... Our after picture changes. Now, I want to show you something really cool. You ready? Go back to chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Verse 10. Now, put on the new self. Everybody say after. Which is being renewed. It's not past tense. It's a continuous Effort as we take Jesus on every day, we have a new picture. Every day, we have an opportunity for the next after. And so, I want to invite you this morning to take communion in a, in a kind of unique way. I'm going to ask you to think about this for a moment when the worship team starts playing Jesus. Messiah, but you know, we take communion to remind us Jesus is our aunt. There's nothing else. So Jesus, Jesus really lived. Now, go back to that beautiful picture. You know who that's a picture of? Jesus. <laughs> Not up in heaven, but how he lived on earth. That is Jesus. So when we, we take this bread, we remember he really lived and he really looked like that. And here's, here's my challenge for you. Look up there. What one word needs to be more of your life starting tomorrow? Starting right now. Let's... Starting right now. What one word? I'm asking you one. You might be looking at all of them, but you'll be overwhelmed if you think about just one. And when you take communion this morning, will you name that one? And thank Jesus for changing your after picture. And see, this cup reminds us that Jesus' blood wipes away our sins. Did you say that? His blood wipes away our sins. Go to that next picture. Look at those words in black. Black. 
What one keeps on showing up in your after picture? Will you name it this morning as you drink from the cup and let Jesus change your after picture? Folks, maybe this morning you haven't claimed Jesus as your and. You don't have an after picture yet. You're still before. I want to give you an opportunity to become a part of the family. To say yes to Jesus. To say, Jesus is the only and I'll ever need. If you've not done that, it's really simple. You can just say right now in your seat, Jesus, I accept that you died for me. You died for my sins. You raised from the dead to bring new life to me. I declare you, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. That's all you got to do. It is that easy. And if you do that, you have made him your and. You can do that right now. Anybody is welcome up to this table who's made Jesus their and. We have tables in back too and over at that table. So what I want you to do is just for a moment, listen to the song. What is it that you want added? What is, what is, what is it that you want removed? And then come take communion. And this is how you're going to do it. Take the bread. You name it. And you take the cup and you name it. And then you thank him because he's the one who said he will give you a brand new after. Amen. Amen.